All right, all right, all right. Welcome in to Toilets to Titles. This is episode number 132. Tonight we are going to be talking rookie and sophomore quarterbacks with Mark Schofield, at Mark Schofield on the Twitter. He's been gracious enough to join us this evening so we can get our heads and our minds all out of the fishbowl. We got to get out of the fishbowl a little bit. We got to dive back into reality. And uh, even though in the fishbowl, man, it has been quarterback heavy early on. So maybe we should have did this thing a little earlier. But uh, we're grateful to have you, Mark. How are you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. It is exciting to be here. And, yeah, we're all going through the SFB right now. My draft had just made the turn into the seventh round. Um, we were talking about our rosters a little bit earlier. I've already got my two QBs. I'll probably take a flyer on one a little bit later. We can maybe talk about who might be worth a flyer out of the next out of the last two quarterback classes. But excited to be here. It's a fun time of the year. I feel like the SFB kind of kicks everybody back into all right, seasons around the corner. Let's get rolling. And so, you know, as somebody that covers this league year round, it's a good time of year. Hell yeah. And with me this evening from Toilets to Titles, I got two co-hosts, one of them being George Reed at George Reed FF. George, what's cooking? Uh, not not a whole lot. Uh, super excited about this show. Uh, glad to take a break from the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, everybody here in the Scott Fishbowl, everybody loves the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, love what it stands for. Loves all the charity aspects of it. But man, we definitely need a break from that <laughs> every once in a while. My, my phone, since the about a week before uh, it kicked off, I got in the nines chat because um, I found out where I was drafting because uh, I was doing a live draft in Orlando. And that chat is just blowing up. And I'm not giving away our secrets, but I'm shouting out to the nines. Hey, Steph. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie's all up in that chat. She's absolutely fantastic. Um, it's just it, – that chat is wild. We, we're, we're It's a, it's a wild chat. That's all I'm going to say. I can't well, get Well, it's got to be. It's got to be with you in it. But speaking of chats, our Frankenstein chat, our Frankenstein listener league, Anthony's in here, a.k.a. Michael Myers. Uh, no, we are not giving out the draft position yet. We'll probably do that next week. We already know, I think two of the divisions have already announced, uh, the draft order and we're probably going to hold that off till next week. So Mark, you might not, uh, be aware of the Fra- Frankenstein listener league is our shows, uh, listener league. It's, 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 it's pretty bananas. It's uh, every year we, we've grown and it's vampire style. We got playable cards and, uh, there's a rock, paper, scissors tournament before the, uh, wow. before the draft. And based upon, so dude, we got graphics, like it's a big thing. So based upon, so each division has a rock, paper, scissor tournament. And then based upon who wins, the person who wins, he or she gets to pick the draft order for their, and then each, but it's, that's very important because each round is uh, specific. Like round one and round two is rookies only. Round three is veterans, non-quarterbacks only. Round four is quarterbacks. There's a third round reversal. So there's a lot of uh, things going wow, on. Wow, that's so a lot of moving parts, man. That's yeah. a lot of that went over my head. Yeah. I can't figure it out. We're, we're, we're pretty wild over here. But then, so so Anthony, he's he's uh, he's trying to get prepared, Anthony. We don't have it yet, but uh, it'll it'll be up there soon. And then with me as well, the Dirt Man at Nate underscore Dirt 19. Nate, what's cooking? Not a whole lot. Uh, excited to be here. I feel like it's been quite a while since I've actually got to be on the show. So uh, I was pretty excited to be able to come on tonight and talk quarterbacks with y'all. So I like fun. your shirt. 
Hey, good, buddy. <laughs> and George got a sweet shirt, man. We're all representing. We got to get Mark something. Mark, yeah, I, I, I never play that gold champion T-shirt odds. I, 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 was, <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna get him our QB one shirt, but yeah, you know, that's just. You know. Ooh, I'll take one of those, man. Just tell me what it's in the check. Yeah, next week. Maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe maybe next season. Mark, I see in your in your Twitter profile it says once argued for a living. Were you a lawyer, or is that I a reference was. to something? <laughs> no, I was I was a lawyer for ten years, friends. Um, and I found out around seven years into it, maybe six years too late, that I wasn't really good at it. Huh. Um, and I realized that, you know what, one of my first loves was the game of football and, and talking about football and, and writing about football, uh, played it all through college. And so on a whim, I kind of stepped away from the practice of law and started writing about it on the side and kind of went from there. And now, you know, I'm at USA Today. I'm doing a bunch of different shows over at SB Nation. Um, so I get to do this on a daily basis, which is kind of cool. But yeah, I, I was once a lawyer, not a very good one, but you know, maybe arguing about stuff in court prepared me for things like the Scott Fishbowl. Who's to say? Man, you could tell you're a quarterback by the, the look of that whiteboard behind you. That whiteboard yeah, just well, screams it's, quarterback. It's kind of empty right now. There's really, honestly, in the offseason, it's more video game stuff, like reminders okay. of what to do. Like I just got done what playing Elden Ring. I don't Elden know Ring. if anybody played Elden Ring, but you – they don't really guide you in that game, so I had to take a lot of notes up there. Um, and actually, I'm in the Karen Morin division. This is my second SFB with a, a Witcher reference. In SFB 9, I was in the Geralt of Rivia division. Now I'm in Karen Morin, so I literally just fired up another playthrough of the Witcher 3. But yeah, in season, you get a lot of X's and O's on that board, man. Man, the Witcher 3, that I got lost in that game. Like at that the the cities alone the cities like yeah. I, I'm big into Fallout and Skyrim and yep. every now and then when I get into those cities like they seem overwhelming but then you get the lay of the land yeah. every time I'd go back I forget what the big city was the big concrete city Novigrad uh, yeah so when I would go there no matter how many times I went there I I never knew where like I had to go get armor or whatever I I'd yeah. be completely lost yeah it's 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 like next to impossible. Um, to try to get the layer of the land there. But it's funny you mentioned John Fallout. Like, I just started another playthrough of Fallout 4. Um, I was just kind of bored one day, and some buddies of mine were like, yeah, you know, you finished Elden Rain. I did too. I'm going to replay Fallout 4. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. So I was playing through that again. And, you know, that's also a very cool game. I never really got into 76. I tried it a bunch of times. I just couldn't do it. But, you know, Skyrim, you know, now Witcher 3, Elden Rain, like those games – Kind of sustain me when I'm not, you know, watching film and thinking about QBs. 76, I was just so desperate for Fallout content. I, I played that for a good two or three months and it was like, I, I dug it. it. It was fun, but then I kind of got over. I'm looking forward to Starfield. I don't want to bore these guys. I'm not sure. I know. Like, <laughs> I have no idea what you guys are talking about. I'm so about. annoyed no idea. with pushback Starfield. <laughs> no, 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 no. Starfield, look, dude, there's a thousand, there's a thousand explore, explorable planets. Like, I know. Uh, that's hard to fathom. Yeah, that, <laughs> once that drops, that's going to be like three years of my life right yeah. there. Uh, see, I couldn't get an, a new Xbox, but I, I've, like someone I knew could get PlayStation, but uh, Elder uh, um, Bethesda made a deal with Xbox. So now I, I don't know if it's going to be exclusive. So I, I have to know. And like, I have to have a plan <laughs> prepared. 
if yeah. it drops and it's Xbox exclusive, I'm sure by then I'll get one. All right. I don't want to. Right, right, right. right. We, can have a, we can have a follow up on, on video games. I'm up. Yes. Yeah, so are they going to have a new uh, NCAA <laughs> video game? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> next year. Okay. I'll buy one then. There I'll buy go. one for that. <laughs> there we go. I like it. That, 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 that's a big one. All right. I do want to let everybody know before we continue on, if you want to hear more great content like this, uh, make sure you, you like the episode, you subscribe, comment, comments are phenomenal they help keep the show going it helps us interact with you if you have apple Podcasts, please subscribe throw us a five-star review that'd be greatly appreciated and also check out justin says welcome to the toilets and titles video game review who would have thought that we're on here talking quarterbacks and we get on a video game tangent uh shout out to chuck because chuck's playing elden rings i i quit like three minutes into it but chuck is a toilets and titles member who's actually grinding on that thing but all right check out toiletstitles.com because chuck is putting that article so are the rest of us and uh george I'm going to pass it over to you, man. Let's talk quarterbacks. Let's do it. So we brought Mark on. Mark is a former quarterback. It was the West Lane College, right? Am I pronouncing yeah, that West right? West University up in Connecticut. You know, yep. Field Yates, Eric Mangini, Bill Belichick, and then me. That's, I guess, the Mount Rushmore. You, West I ain't going to lie, Mark. You, you <laughs> topped that list. I, I've, I've, never even, I've never even heard of these, those other guys, to be honest. Yeah, I know Eric Mangini or something. I don't know who that is. <laughs> Belichick, <laughs> Belichick became, like, didn't he, within like a year or two, Switch over from player to coach, I believe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he went like basically right from you know playing the game to coaching the game, like almost immediately. So we 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 brought Mark on uh, to pick his brain a little bit about the the quarterbacks. The the I would I don't want to say the last two uh, quarterback drafts have been less than stellar, but I don't think they've lived up to the billing. Am I correct in saying that they haven't lived up to the billing so far? I mean, I, I think so. Um, you know, particularly when you look at, you know, Trevor Lawrence was in a really bad situation in Jacksonville. Yep. Um, but a lot of people sort of looked at him as like, okay, this is the most complete generational type quarterback prospect perhaps since Andrew Luck and didn't quite come together last year. Now, 95% of that might be due to Urban Meyer. I mean, that, that was just an awful situation for a rookie quarterback to be in, you know, but that offense, that system, that whole situation sort of let him down. And so there's there's hope that, you know, perhaps he can put it together. You know, you look at the guy that came off the board next and Trey Lance, and he had some starts here and there. But I remember being on, you know, last summer and talking to other people last summer, like, yeah, he could win the job. It's an ideal fit for him. They really sort of took their time with him. Jimmy Garoppolo ended up taking the majority of the snaps there. Then you get Justin Fields. In a similar situation to Lawrence, not, you know, the off-field stuff, but, you know, coaching upheaval. Matt Nagy now has gone through two young quarterbacks and couldn't get the most out of them. First Trubisky and now Fields. You know, you get, yes, you know, you you look at Zach Wilson, okay? The Jets, I think, they were in a situation where they were trying to struggle to put talent around him. He wasn't comfortable behind that offensive line at times. You could see it on the field. He was cut and dropped short. He was speeded himself up. When he sat down due to that sort of injury and came back, he was better. And I think he's in a good situation going forward. And I know we're going to dive into all these guys um, because of what they've put around him and some of the additions that they've met. You know, Matt Jones fell into a situation where it's the Patriots, it's Belichick, it's a good defense. They had spent a ton of money. You know, they made the playoffs. They won games with him throwing the ball three times in a game and in that windy Monday night game against Buffalo. You saw what happened in the playoffs. Like he needs to take a big step forward. At times it looked like maybe the best of this entire group was Davis Mills. I mean, there were times down in Houston last year when it was like, they've got something with him. And I kind of liked Mills coming out. He showed 
some competitive toughness at a comeback win against UCLA, for example. And so, yeah, I was kind of excited about that. And then obviously this class we just saw. I mean, the best way to sum up this most recent quarterback draft class is the fact that when I walked into the combine at Indianapolis, you know, back in March, I was walking in as Chris Ballard was walking out and he's like red faced and it's clearly he's been like talking for a while now and there's just madness and chaos and reporters are following him. And I'm like talking to people that I knew, like, what the heck did I just miss? And they're like, you just missed Chris Ballard taking an absolute flamethrower to Carson Wentz and his you know, in any sort of trade capital. Like he sat at the podium for an hour and just torched this dude left and right. He can't take coaching. Like he can't take co- constructive criticism and everybody's like, he's they're gonna have to cut him. Nobody's gonna get nobody's gonna give him me on a seventh round pick for Carson Wentz. Week later, commanders give up two picks for Carson Wentz. Sure. That's how uh, they fleece the heck out of him. I don't know how I thought about this draft class because the commanders sitting at 11 could have had any of these guys, and they gave up two picks for Carson Wentz. The league did not like this quarterback class. And you know, they tried to say, you know, I, Howie Roseman's at the podium. Yeah, this is a good quarterback class. Like, we really like these guys. Nick Sirianni, yeah, we're meeting all these quarterbacks. We're, you know, we're doing our due diligence. This is a good quarterback class. Don't let anybody lie to you and say it's not. It's a very good quarterback class. Every team except the Pittsburgh Steelers passes on these guys. And so, you know, this is an interesting quarterback class, too, in the sense we're all looking to next year. Like, everybody that has draft picks in next year's, you know, fantasy draft season – is stockpiling picks because C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, Phil Jakovic, like go on down the list. Dave Brugler just dropped his 20 quarterbacks. My watch list was like 25. Like it could be a very good class. And so this group that just came out, they might end up sort of getting washed over because of what we're going to see down the pipe. And so, you know, a long-winded answer there. But, yeah, it's been kind of underwhelming. I have hopes for the, you know, the second year, the sophomore group. Um you know, maybe some guys in this year's group will be relevant even this year. But I, I do think that on the whole, especially when you take these two groups together, it's a bit underwhelming. Where can we find your, your top 25? It's over at USA Today, Touch the Wire. I didn't rank it, but it's just like a watch list. Um, you know, if I had to sit down and tell you who's my favorite right now, it's Stroud. Um, what do you think of Levis? I like Levis. I mean, I, I think there are things that he has to calm down from a footwork and mechanical standpoint. I think there are moments when he takes some perhaps too risky decisions. You know, I, I appreciate aggression in a quarterback, but I like it when it's more reasoned and appropriate and you can understand it. Like if you're going to force a throw, but it's still the right read given the situation or the coverage or whatever, or the leverage of the defender, I, I get it. But if you're just forcing throws to force throws, you know, I have a bit of a problem with that. But, you know, I, th- I what do we all do every sort of draft season? We look for the next Burrow, Trubisky, Wilson, the guy that's going to fly out of nowhere. There are a lot of people saying that Levis might be that guy to the point where there are people saying like he's a surefire top five pick. Well, that was so last year at this time, that was Malik Willis. Yeah. Malik, Malik Willis was the sweetheart of like July and August. And that fizzled out real quick. I just asked about Levis because uh, we have a show, uh, P2P Friday nights. It's college football. And I know Nino is probably watching. That's my dude. I, I think he's pretty high on Levis. So I had to ask that question for him. So back to you, George. Yeah, and, and uh, Mark's going to be doing the uh, New England breakdown with us. He's gracious enough. That's why I'm doubling uh, what I what I would normally would send him. Makes um, sense because we got we got two shows out of him. Yeah, so. two shows for me. Yeah. <laughs> so Nino will be thrilled. Uh, Nino's also he's he's up there from New England. He lives in Massachusetts. Oh, so nice! Big big Patriots fan. That that kid. So uh, I call him kid. He's 41, but he's younger than me. 
and he right. looks younger than me. So, uh, <laughs> and he's a ball of fire. Like, oh, he is. Oh, yeah, all that looking forward is. to it. So, but uh, yeah, let's let's jump right in. Uh, where do we start, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence? Uh, we're gonna start with the 2021 class. Uh, we'll just go down, talk about these guys, the order that they were drafted. It's not, you know, I didn't when I went ahead and and pulled everybody up. I didn't do it by rankings. I just ordered they were drafted. Um, Trevor Lawrence, terrible situation that he that he came into in Jacksonville, the absolute worst team in the league. Uh, all types of issues with the coaching staff there with Urban Meyer. They they got rid of him halfway through the season. Um, they got in. They brought in Doug Peterson this offseason. Uh, he, he didn't look very good, which I don't know if the large part of that was just the offense that they were running or the coaching or what. But what 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 are you expecting from from Lawrence? And what 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 did you see last year that you liked? Yeah, I mean, we sort of touched on Lawrence a, a minute ago, but certainly a difficult situation from the coaching staff. And even, you know, you watch that offense, there were moments when they were just letting them down from a schematic standpoint, they were letting them down from an execution standpoint, but I, it may sound crazy, but I expect big things from them this year. And it starts with Doug Peterson. I mean, you look at, you know, something I always like sort of look for and something I talk about a lot, write about a lot is when you talk about developing young quarterbacks, you want coaches around them that have a proven track record of quarterback development. And Peterson has that. I mean, you know, before things sort of went south with Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, Peterson had him playing at an MVP level. I mean, before he went down in 17, he was playing at an MVP level. Even 2019, at the end of that season, when he kind of put that team on his back to get them to the playoffs before he got hurt against Seattle, Wentz was playing at an extremely high level. And you watch that offense, how it's executed in Doug Peterson's hands. You see the, what they do schematically. It's very quarterback friendly. A lot of concepts, half-field reads routes that convert based on coverage, like stuff that you expect NFL offenses to do for a young quarterback, that's going to be what he's handed this year. And so I, I think that's certainly going to help him. I know a lot's been made about the Christian Kirk signing. I'm a big fan of it. I, I'm a huge fan of it. And I know I maybe I'm one of the few, but you look at Lawrence's ability to push the ball downfield. I, I think he's the reason why people were high on myself included is he's a very schematically diverse quarterback. He can run any offense. He can do anything schematically on the field but I do think he's perhaps at his best pushing the ball downfield and you look at Peterson's offense a lot of it runs through the slot with a slot receiver getting vertical and then stuff coming underneath that with tight ends your, your you know your x your z whatever that's going to really benefit this offense this quarterback and Christian Kirk's the ideal sort of vertical slot receiver you watch him his big plays come working off the vertical stem and so I think he's a very good fit for what they're trying to do and so I have high hopes and high expectations for Trevor Lawrence next year. Now, maybe it doesn't come to fruition. You need to see it on the field, but I'm expecting big things from him in this system this year. So I, when, I need when, a Visca, when I was one, one second, George. I, I need a LaVisca Chanel breakout season. I, I, look, man, as, as somebody that planted his flag on Chanel Hill and has been praying for it for a while, I need that too because – you know, my brand can only take so many hits as, uh, you know, I've got some. I got his jersey. I got his jersey last year to give away because I thought that, like, I, I bought it in July. I was We were going to do a giveaway for the show. Dude, no, I can't even give it away now. Nobody yeah. wants it. Yeah, I, I'm hoping for that breakout too, my friend. I don't know if we're going to get it, but I got my fingers crossed for it. So one thing that surprised me when I started out the rookies for the 2021 class how mobile 
uh, Trevor Lawrence was last year. Like that's something yeah. a lot of people I don't see talk about that. He had the most rushes uh, of all the, the, the rookie quarterbacks for that year. Um, and he had the second most yards. Like I didn't realize how mobile of a quarterback he was. Yeah. And you know, George, what's interesting, you know, a couple of summers ago when, when Matt Waldman and I were doing a series of shows, like we did one on Lance where we said, yeah, Kyle Shanahan, that'd be the ideal situation for him the summer before they drafted him. We did one on Lawrence. And I, I still remember, you know, when we were talking about the end of the Lawrence show, like offenses, he would fit in. And we were talking about his schematic diversity. Matt looked at me and he's like, he could run Baltimore's offense. Not saying that he's Lamar Jackson athletic, but he's athletic enough where it would work. And I was like, at first blush, I'm like, all right, Matt, you're talking crazy, man. I don't get it. But the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, I could. Because the way he runs, the way he carries the football and sets up blockers, the way he did that at Clemson, you could see it working. So, yeah, the mobility is there. No, Justin's right. Yeah, he had to run for his life behind that offensive <laughs> But he's athletic enough to make it work. Yeah. Yeah, that, that absolutely surprised me. Um, we'll, we'll move from – from Lawrence right on to uh, the next quarterback on the list, which is uh, somebody I'm actually doing a podcast tomorrow um, on the New York Jets. Me and a couple of the the Jets uh, reporters are going to be sitting down and we're going to do an all Jets podcast, which as a Dolphin fan, let me tell you, I'm looking forward to that. Um, But, (laughs) but uh, Zach Wilson, like they, he struggled quite a bit last year. He he was also injured. So, uh, you know, he gets a little, a little reprieve for me there, but he, he still struggled when, when, when he played and they've done, I think the jets have done as much as it pains me to say, they've done a fantastic job bringing in weapons for him, help building that offensive line. Um, if Makai Becton it can come back healthy this year, like they're going to have a pretty decent offensive line. Yeah. And as a Patriots guy, George, I'm, I'm kind of in that similar awkward position of grudgingly yeah. admitting that the Jets have had a very yeah, good offseason. It's, off it's I mean, not easy. It's, it's not really easy. Not. You know, but when you end up with three picks in the first round, it's kind of hard to say like, yeah, man, they, they really dropped the ball here. And I'm also glad to be talking about Zach Wilson on the field because there's some Zach Wilson off the field stuff that man, we, we don't, don't need to dive that. into. But you can, <laughs> you can Google that, kids, uh, those of you that are watching live. Um, yeah, look. You're right. He, he struggled. Yes, he does play for the Cougars. That's exactly right. Um, he did struggle uh, last year at times. And then he had that injury. He sat down. And I've seen this before with young quarterbacks. Josh Allen was an example. In his rookie year, he got hurt. He sat down. He came back. And it seemed like the light kind of clicked. Not all the way, but it was, you know, it was a little bit brighter than it was before. You saw that with Wilson because before the injury, you know, he seemed skittish in the pocket. He was cut and dropped short. He was speeding himself up artificially. I did a long piece over at USA Today breaking that down where you could see him speed stuff up, throwing, you know, trying to throw routes open before they were even close to being ready for it on the other end. He gets hurt. He sits down. He comes back. And the game kind of slowed down for him a bit. So I think, you know, it's an example of sometimes a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback even, they might need a time to, like, sit down, catch their breath because – the NFL draft process, it's like the world's longest and most surreal and absurd interview process because you go from playing, combine prep, you know, bowl game prep, senior bowl, whatever. Then it's into the combine. Then it's into the draft. You're studying all these offenses, and then it's into minicamp. You barely have time to catch your breath, and you're trying to figure out, in his case, moving to New York City. That, that's a lot for a young kid. And so, you know, I, I think that's part of what we saw last year. 
you know, then you look at what they put around him, right? Wilson, I think, is an ideal, you know, receiver for them. I think the addition of CJ Uzama is huge for that offense because that LaFleur, Shanahan, Taylor, McVay system, you need a tight end that can do a couple of different things. I think Rucker, uh, you know, I'm excited for him, man. I know I'm excited for Rucker, too. He's on the bottom of the depth chart, but he can play. I think he's going to come in and and he's going to do pretty well there. What was interesting about him, typically when I study tight ends out of college, it's like, yeah, these guys are all great receivers, but they can't block. Is there sort of like untapped potential as a blocker? This year is almost the flip side of that. I feel like a lot of these guys, like, you know, the kid Ferguson from Wisconsin, Ruckert as well. You know, Ruckert's the number six option in that passing game, basically, uh, with Wilson, with Olave, uh, with a guy that's going to be coming out next year. So I think there was untapped potential in him as a receiver. Same with Ferguson, same with some of these other guys. So I, I think Ruckert's in a position where, you know, they could get him a package of stuff when they go too tight end with him and CJU on the field at the same time. And he's going to be able to have some opportunities to put some, put some plays on the board. And so you look around at what they've put around Wilson. It's very much an improved offensive roster. Now the offensive line is still going to be a question. Can they get Makai Becton to live up to the first round villain? Can they piece yep. together their best five? Because let's not forget when he was playing at BYU for the Cougars, he was playing behind an extremely talented offensive line that kept him clean, and that's what he was used to. Then when he started seeing pressure in the pocket last year in the NFL, that's when he started to speed himself up. If they can keep him clean, he's got weapons, it should be a much improved season for him. Yeah, and they also brought in uh, Lincoln Tomlinson from San Francisco as well to help yep. with that offensive line. So, uh, shout, Hey, shout-out to the Cougars, and I want to give a shout-out to King Showtime, a.k.a. Ferg, from uh, the 1.04, or no, not he's not in the 1.04 chat. I get the chats confused. He's from the Neverland chat. So I got somebody from the Neverland division chat in here, and I, I appreciate you being in here, my man. Thanks for the support. Go ahead. Uh, f- funny, funny thing about uh, uh, Ferg there, I've known him for like six years, seven years. Uh, he and I play in the uh, the world-famous Falafel League together with uh, Sal and all those guys from the old Falafel house. Uh, we've known each other forever. Um but anyway, all right, so we'll move on next. Next, quarterback, we really didn't get to see a whole lot. Everybody uh, was expecting him to be able to supplant Jimmy G, and it just it never happened. And then you hear these reports that uh, he's not ready. Like, the, the, they're saying the coach staff says he's just not ready. He, you know, he, he's not understanding what's going on. I don't know if that's coach speak or smoke screen because they just don't want to show their hand. But – What's going on there in San Francisco with, with Trey Lance? I, I honestly don't know. I mean, I know there's been rumblings, like you said, George, of that he's not ready. You know, he's coming along slowly. You heard arm fatigue was another thing. You know, his arm's kind of holding him back right now. You know, I don't know if I believe any of that stuff. But, I, you know, it's hard not to be a little bit perplexed by the entire situation because I remember this time last year telling anybody who would listen, including strangers on the street, that like, yeah, you know, he's going to be ready to run that offense right away. My buddy across the street is a huge 49ers fan, went to all of their playoff games. And I kept telling him, look, Mike, Lance is going to be the guy. He's going to be ready. He's like, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. And turns out he was right. Um, Will he take the step forward this year? Maybe. I hope so. Because I do think that this offense, you you could literally, you could go on like coachtube.com. You can buy breakdowns from the NDSU coaching staff of how they use the tight ends in the passing game, how they use the fullback in the passing game. And it's literally like, you're watching Trey Lance at NDSU run Kyle Shanahan's offense. Like it's a one-to-one scheme fit. 
So what's the problem here? How could he not sort of beat out Garoppolo? Is it a trust issue? You know, and lots of people have tried to figure it out. People have tried to say, well, maybe ownership wanted Lance. Shanahan really wanted Mac Jones and Lance got, you know, put upon him and he's not trusting him. I don't know what to believe at this point, but I still think schematically on paper and from a talent perspective, Lance is an ideal fit for this offense. I want to see it on a field though. So would, would, would Lance go down as the biggest trade blunder in NFL history if he doesn't come to fruition? Because they gave three first-round draft picks for him. Yeah. What about I Jamal mean, Adams? I think Jamal Adams is up there. I mean, there are some other big trades that I, I think would be – I mean, in terms of coming up to get a quarterback, though – I mean, but that's that's the reason why I I, I think it is is because it's the quarterback. Like, you I mean, go, it's you trade Jordan three first for a quarterback. I, I, I don't know if Jordan Love is as bad. I mean, because no. it was a little bit later. Um, yeah, that's pretty rough though. That's pretty rough, particularly when you know. And this is how it's all going to get viewed. If Justin Fields takes a huge leap, if Mac Jones ends up being, you know. The next Tom Brady talk is is ridiculous in my mind, but if he ends up panning out at a high level and he, I'm willing, he I'm willing to give Lance of, like some more time. He only had one full season at, at NDSU, right? Yeah, and then he, I mean, and then they played one game during the COVID season. Then he sat in an NFL system. You know, I know everybody wants him to to do. He needs to do it now because they're ready to win now. Yeah, but, you know, I'm willing to. You know, I, I think it's it's more okay for him to need more time. I think. And I know, you know, from the outside looking in, due to what was given up for him, you know, that's not acceptable. But if you actually look at the time he's had on the field, I think it is like I think he needs a little bit of time. It's not his yeah. fault they traded up for him. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I'm always a believer in the sort of Bill Walsh three years to figure it out mindset. And I know we live in a, you know, 24-7 fast-paced sports news media environment where we live our lives by 280 characters. And if you haven't figured it out by your first series and your first preseason game, you're a bust. Like, that's just – these are the rules we all play under. Ask, and ask Jamar Chase. Yeah, exactly. Like, Jamar Chase could not catch the ball this time last year. So he didn't, have, didn't have the white lines that the college balls. Have. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, you know, those, those, those white stripes on the ball made a huge difference. He was going to be a bust. Now look, <laughs> at him. I mean, look, this is the world we live in. And, and so we're, we're hearing it now with Hertz. I'm old enough to remember Patrick Mahomes, his first training camp when he was going to be the starter. It's like he's throwing interception after interception. He's going to be a bust. This is ridiculous. And that's the time you'd like test things out to figure it out. Like, can you get away with this or not? So I, I think, all these guys need another year to at least to sort of figure out where they're at. The problem is when you give up what you give up, number one, in Lance's case, or more generally speaking, with the economics, the way they work, you can move on from a quarterback easier than it was in the past. You know, when, when you draft a guy one, two, three, they don't become the highest paid player in the game anymore. So you're not worried too much about giving up on them because it's more cost effective to do so. You can move on from what you deem to be a mistake quicker and we're seeing teams do that. You know, I know they paid Jared Goff, but the Rams moved on. Josh Rosen, every team moved on from him pretty quickly. I mean, it's it's easier to do that now. Do you think that with Lance, I mean, is it all I, I guess with everybody saying his arm's tired and he never even really played? Is it mechanics? I mean, you heard that before, you know, before he got drafted that everybody's worried about his mechanics. I mean, same with Fields too. But yeah, you know, is that something obviously they're trying to work on it? But I mean, yeah, I mean in going. You know, we always get into this sort of 
you know, it, it's hard to change mechanics. It's hard to alter mechanics at this point. Like, um, Blake Bortles, right? Every training camp, it's like, oh, man, he's tightening it up. Like, that throwing motion, <laughs> you'd see it in practice. They'd show the practice film, but it's nice and tight. And that first drive, the first preseason game, the first time he faces pressure, the ball is down by his ankles. Like, it's hard to unlearn that muscle memory. And both Fields and Lance are trying to do that because, you know, NFL teams had concerns about – the more elongated loopy throw in motion that these guys had. And, you know, go back a couple of years, we heard the same stuff about Sam Darnold. And I tried to make the case that, Oh, he didn't start playing quarterback until his sophomore or junior year in high school. It's not ingrained. It was kind of ingrained at that point. And, and so it's hard to unlearn that muscle memory and sort of rebuild the mechanics, not saying it can't be done. There are some guys that have certainly tightened up their throw motion. Jalen hurts is an example of a guy that sort of put the work in and tightened things up a little bit. So it can be done, but yeah, especially when you're in a world where every half second, every quarter second matters. Like if you're a young quarterback, both of those guys have huge arms, but if you're taking an extra half second to read something out and then you have to take an extra half second to throw the ball because of that mechanical inconsistency and loop, those half seconds add up. And when you've got safeties on the other side of the ball, corners on the other side of the ball that are reading your every cue that leads to mistakes and problems. So you, you you touched a little bit about the struggles that he's had along with uh, Justin Fields, who happens to be the next one. Um, this is a guy, again, he, he led all rookies in rushing last year with 420. Um, didn't have a whole lot of passing, under 2,000 passing yards. Uh, had Allen Robinson, who was just nowhere to be seen on any football field at all last year, which personally I think he, I think he tanked the season because he did not want to play on that franchise tag. So he wasn't playing a hundred percent. I think yeah. he was going out there giving maybe 85, 90, but, but I don't think he was playing at his peak level that, that we've seen from him in years past because he didn't want to be there. He didn't want to be on that franchise tag and he didn't want to make a, uh, get injured where it would cost him the following season. Right. Um, but th this guy, I mean, they've done nothing really to help him in the passing game on that oh, team. George. Uh, are you I mean, really they, they traded a seventh for Nikhil Harry. I understand that. Hey. But uh, that's just not hey, a look, look, look. Not a good you pay what you have to pay to get a premier block and wide receiver, okay? And if a gold raid on a premier <laughs> block and wide receiver is a seventh round pick, like that's where you get. Look, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. Like, like they have a lot of holes to fill, and they tried a to lot. fill some along the offensive line, right? You know, they, they didn't have a ton of draft capital to begin with. You know, they spend, you know, a fifth-round pick on a left tackle, uh, six-round picks on a guard in the center, a seventh on another guard. You know, they add Vilas Jones, obviously, in the third round. And I know with reason there's some excitement for him. You know, there's excitement about Mooney. There's excitement about Cole Komet. Like, there are some pieces here. But I'm, I'm worried about my boy Justin, who, who was my QB2 that year. Um, you know, I was a huge fan of him coming out. They, you're right. They have not done a lot to really help him. And it, you know, you, you don't want to start thinking that the new owner, the, the new general manager, the new coaching staff is already saying, look, he's not our guy. Like, we're going to get through this year. And then CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, like whomever. Like, you don't want to think that, right? Because we, we just got done talking about, look, give these guys three years to sort of figure it out. But it's hard not to feel like they're not really standing by this guy, right? Now, maybe, hopefully, for Justin Fields' sake, hopefully for my prior's sake and my brand, like they are going to stick by this guy and they're going to get him to where he needs to be because he's an extremely talented quarterback. 
I love the way he ran that OSU offense. Like for people that say it's a one read system, like, no, it's not like it's got, it's got NFL reads and coverage rotations and adjustments and things like that. I got the playbook right over my left hand here. Like it's an NFL kind of playbook here that he was running at OSU, but it is sort of upsetting to see the way they've handled this situation. I'm still a believer in Justin Fields, the prospect, the talent, the traits in that, but they've got a lot of work to do. And I don't know if they've done enough for him. Ohio state needs him to, to get it done. Like they crowd needs them. Speaking of brands, like you're you're for your brand, you need him to hit Ohio state needs him to hit so they could lose that kind of stigma of not being able to produce NFL talent at the quarterback position. And there's sort of a double edged sword here at play because there's also the idea that Ohio state is now wide receiver. You, right. You know, you're looking at some of the guys that have come out recently, you know, if Olave and Wilson hit the kid next year, Jackson's in the NJ. Like if, if he hits as well, it's going to be look Stroud fields. Those guys were propped up by elite talent at the wide receiver. Even Jameson Williams left. Yeah. Yeah. Left I mean, he couldn't State. crack that lineup. I mean, yeah. he had to go to Alabama and play. Right. I often you hear that one. Right. Um, Marvin yeah, Harrison I mean, Jr. They're yeah, loaded. I mean, whew. yeah. Brian Hartline does a tremendous job of getting talent in there and then developing it. Like, kudos to him. He'll be Dolphins great. <laughs> Dolphins yeah, great, yeah. Brian Hartline. There you go. Dolphins, right. Dolphins um, legend. Yeah, but no, no, you're Dolphins you're right. Legend. Like so know, Stroud, Mark, I'm just gonna go throw my hands up like this. No, no, I mean, you know, I was just saying, like Stroud, the Fields, Ohio State, they all need fields to hit because there's going to be that sort of stigma attached kind of like running backs from Penn state or, you know, linebackers from, you know, USC, like they they don't pan out in the NFL. We're not going to draft them. Even though we all try to stay scout the player and off the helmet. Sometimes people do. I loved Ray Maualuga. I loved him. I thought, I thought dude was going to yeah. be like the next big thing. I mean, I remember Blair Thomas, man. Yeah. Go ahead. Nate. Hey, so they hired, they hired Luke Getze uh, for the offensive coordinator position. Obviously, trying to bring some things over from you know the Lafleur offense or Nathaniel Hackett, whatever you want to say. Um, but I mean, I don't say like not going to bring it back to mechanics. Okay. I mean, but like, hopefully the the quick passing game will help Fields. Like I said, I I like Justin Fields. I you know I'm a Packers fan. But I want to see him succeed. You know, I like the guy. But I, you know, hopefully that'll help. But you know, like I said, if he's got that big loopy throw, yeah. And I mean, we, we've we've seen some stuff from minicamp at OTA, some Fields throws that are broken down more than the Zapruder film. Like just like. Oh, is that too much of a dip? Is that is that compact? You know, I I think you're right. You know, there's a an opportunity for that system, that offense, and things like that to sort of speed things up for them. You know, if, if it's quick catch and throw type stuff, you know, that might speed it up as well. And so maybe he's sort of they're gonna manufacture a quicker release out of him. You know, I'm very curious to see once we start seeing this offense on the field, whether it's you know fields running or whomever, we'll get a sense and a flavor of what this offense is gonna look like. If you see some of the stuff we've seen from, you know, LaFleur systems and, you know, Hackett's offense and some of these other guys, then, yeah, you know, there, there's a window there to sort of speed him up a bit almost artificially and get him to be quicker with the football. All right, let's move on to the next quarterback here. We got Mac Jones. So you got kind of up close and personal to him. I'm assuming you're, you're up there in that area. So what are your thoughts on Mac Jones? I mean, it was kind of as advertised, right? Like, you know, I talked to some people in and around the league throughout his rookie year and almost to a person, they told me this is what we expected, right? This was his argument that he was going to be the safe, steady, the floor is higher than perhaps the other guys. Year one, he's going to be great. Talk to me in year three. 
What does it look like in year three? And I, I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle here with Mac Jones, because what we saw last year was a sometimes overly conservative quarterback who's going to check the ball down, take care of the football, not really take a lot of chances. You know, I, I think his mobility was a little bit better than advertised. You know, I, I thought when I was studying him when he was at Alabama that he really needs to be ahead of things, particularly against blitz and, and scheme pressures and sim pressures and things like that. He had to get ahead of it was in mind. He showed a little bit more athleticism, which I think bodes well for what year three might look like. But he has to get a little bit more aggressive, and he has to get a little bit more velocity. Like, he, he said that himself. Like, look, you know, there were some throws early in the year that, you know, he tried them to tight, to fit them into tighter windows, and he learned pretty quickly. In week one, Jason McCourty on a crossing route where he had, you know, I, I think it was – I forget if it was um, Myers or Aguilar, but he had somebody on a crosser. And he tried to feather it in there with touch and, you know, Jason McCourty broke on it and broke it up. And it's like, man, welcome to the NFL rookie. Like if you're going to make that throw, you got to put velocity on it. And then down the road, down the stretch, like he was, he was shying away from some throws, some opportunities to push the ball downfield. He has to fill that part of his game. in. now I know he's working on it. Uh, there are rumblings about him working with a throwing coach. I believe Tom house. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but you know, a lot of people have said that that's is happening. You know, he's tried to bulk up a little bit, add a little strength, cut down on the ice cream, like you said. You know, but Cigars. year two and three are, are the big ones for him. You know, everybody told me, like I said, year one, this is what we expected. He was the floor guy. Now we got to see that ceiling. Is it as close to the floor as we thought, or can he push that ceiling up a bit? Personally, I think he can, um, but we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, they spent a lot of money last offseason. This offseason, they didn't make a ton of improvements. You know, on tight ends, your boy they spent, George. They spent um, all that money on, on tight end John o. Smith and John o. Smith, who, who basically, interesting enough, they were one of the few offenses that used the fullback, Jakob Johnson. They're moving on from that. I think you might see John in more of a hybrid fullback, H back type role. Um, with, with Henry, you were more traditional type tight end. I think Henry was a big part of what Jones did last year. They had immediate chemistry. You know, when you think about pieces that they've added this year, I mean, yeah, Parker, maybe there's something there. You know, Tyquan Thornton, speedy guy, you know, but this is a, a draft class that was in pure Belichick fashion. Everybody liked the players they picked. They just thought they picked him about 50 spots too soon. Yeah, the the, the thing with Devontae Parker is his health. Like, if he can remain healthy, he'll be a true weapon for, for the Patriots, as, as again, as much as that pains me to admit. But right. it, the problem is, is he's only been healthy one season, and that was the one season right before his contract extension with Miami. Yep. So yep. – um, I'm being told I need to ask you about the the three uh, attempt game from uh, from Nina. Well, <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm supposed to ask you, but he wanted me to ask you about the the, the three attempt game. Um, prior to the Shield dropping the hammer on me, I used to every Monday uh, do what I call my three throws video series on Twitter, where I'd take three throws from a quarterback and break them down X's and O's schematics. It was a lot of fun doing it, but like I said, the NFL dropped the Shield, but what, the Shield dropped the hammer on me. Uh, so I won't be doing those anymore. Thanks a lot. But and my former lawyer, last year was, you're a former was lawyer that, and you could, you're a former lawyer. You couldn't, uh, you couldn't battle that. I'm not taking on a billion dollar corporation. <laughs> by myself, my friend. I, mean, I told you I wasn't a good lawyer, but I knew enough not it to check that out. one. It checks out. Um, now. Yeah. But I mean, maybe I'll sneak it back. I'm, I'm looking for some loopholes and I think I found a couple. So maybe I'll <laughs> okay. those back you, you, you could have done that whole game in that series. I, I did. I I dropped it on Monday. I'm like, because I used to say like, you know, here we go. We're kicking three throws off with Matthew Stafford, three throws against, you know, CLC Hawks. We're talking, you know, 
dagger. We're talking four verts, whatever. And then that that Tuesday morning, I was like, Matt Jones, all three throws. Let's go. And I broke them down. I mean, one of them was a throw to Smith in the flat, a simple like five-yard out route, and he airmailed it because the wind was so bad. I mean, he had like two screen, a screen, and then another throw that like, you know, got dropped. I mean, that told you what that team thought, what that offense thought about Mac Jones, particularly with respect to the arm talent and velocity. Like when you have a night like that, a night where even Josh Allen was struggling to throw the football, there's a world of difference between Josh Allen throwing a dig route and Mac Jones throwing a dig route. I, I like to sort of tell people, you know, Mac Jones and Josh Allen can throw the same route. Mac Jones has to release it maybe a full second before Allen does to get the balls to arrive at the same time. Like that's the difference of velocity. And on that night, they just didn't trust him throwing the football. And I get it. The difference with Mac Jones, if Mac Jones takes that leap forward, if he bumps up that ceiling, like I was just talking about, if they're in a similar situation, they trust him to throw the football. Yeah. All right. So the, the last one we got to for this draft class, and then we'll, we'll, we haven't really seen the, the guys from this uh, upcoming draft class or the previous one, rather. So there's not a whole lot to go off of NFL there, but it's the guy you mentioned that was probably the best rookie quarterback in this draft as of last year. And that's Davis Mills. Um, yep. Was impressed actually when I, when I started him out, looked at what he did, his, his, he had more touchdowns and interceptions, which was impressive. Um, he, he seemed to get better as the season went on, and, and he had a couple of, of big games as well. Uh, I liked what I seen from him. What, what yeah. thoughts? I mean, th- th- there were moments last year where it was like, yeah, he's the best guy out of this group. Now, will that continue? We don't know. I mean, Houston, you know, it's not like they have a ton of talent, but they added talent around him. I mean, John Mechie, before he got hurt, I, I thought he was a first-round receiver. You know, and maybe it was just a knee injury that sort of pushed him down the board. Maybe it was the talent that pushed him down. Maybe it would have slid to the second round. Anyway, Kenyon Green, I think, is, you know, as far as guards go, he was an elite prospect at the position. They've still got Brandon Cooks. Nico Collins, I know there are still Nico Collins believers out there. There's a potential for this. Revin Jordan? Yeah. You? I mean, look, there's, a, there's potential for this offense to be a little bit better than people might expect right now. And I do think it starts with Mills. And one of the things that certainly stood out to me you know, was that competitive toughness? Because you go back to his his game against UCLA. I mentioned it earlier. He threw a couple of like bad picks in that game. And I was talking to somebody on the UCLA staff and they were like, you know, we thought we had him. We threw everything at him. We thought we had him. And then he just didn't quit. Like we kept throwing blitz after blitz, sim pressure after sim pressure. And he stood in the face of it all. And, you know, what won me over. This is what a, a guy on the UCLA staff was telling me. And so, you know, competitive toughness matters a ton at the quarterback position, and he certainly checked that box. And I think it's also important to remember, armed with the draft capital they had, they didn't draft a quarterback. Now, maybe that had more to do with this quarterback class we just, you know, have been talking about and the fact that the league did not like it. But they didn't draft a quarterback. You know, they held there. And people are saying, you know, maybe, you know, he Garoppolo lands in Houston. I don't think Houston's making that move. I think they're really sort of excited about what they've got. They've built around him a little bit. And, no, there's a window for him to be not just fantasy relevant, but NFL relevant. And if he continues to show what he showed last year, they're going to be in a great position where they don't have to address quarterback next year. They're going to be happy with him going forward. And so I'm really excited about seeing him in year two because, yeah, there were times last year he was one of the best guys out there. Yeah, it's it's, they're actually in a great position where if – they go into the season again with Davis Mills and he continues to progress and gets better and better. Like it's a win for them. 
And yep. if he if he just goes out there and he just regresses and he just doesn't do it and they end up with an early draft pick, like it's still I mean, a win got, for Houston. They've, they've lost they've, nothing in this. Yeah, they've got two picks in the first round. They have their own and they have Cleveland. And, you know, obviously, look, we're all waiting on a Watson suspension. But if that Watson suspension is longer than perhaps we're being you know told via reporting and Cleveland has a bad year, they could have two picks in the top ten. Yep. And if they have to package them together to go get CJ Stroud, they might have the draft capital to do just that. Now I'm sure they're hoping, look, they could use one on a, you know, another offensive lineman, maybe one on the defensive side of the ball because Mills has panned out. But if things do go south, they'll have the draft capital to get one of those guys. Yeah. So they're, they're in a, they're in a, actually a pretty good position. Um, we'll move over to the 2022 draft. Uh, shiny again, most, toys, shiny yeah, toys. All, all, all those guys are old news. So let's talk about the new toys. <laughs> yep. uh, uh, so we'll start off with uh, Kenny Pickett going to Pittsburgh, the only quarterback taken in first round after lots of people reporting that we might see, you know, three quarterbacks in the top 10. And yeah. he, he, he goes in the 20s. Yeah. And 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 I was one of them. And, and, you know, I remember in the days leading up to the draft and then the days, you know, doing the postmortems after the draft. You know, it's like I said with that Chris Ballard, Washington story. Like, the league was telling us what we thought. And we all thought, myself included, that, oh, they're going to panic, right? You know, these teams that are in the top 10 that, you know, might have a need at the quarterback position, that might have a glaring need at the quarterback position, they're going to panic. They they do it every year. They say, oh, you know, we'll go – we'll draft best player available. We'll do this, that, or the other thing. They didn't panic. They didn't panic. Maybe the Steelers, you might say they panicked a little bit. You know, maybe, you know, Steelers fans right now are saying, hey, we could have cut them, you know, in the second round. These teams could have, you know, they kept their powder dry. They they, they didn't sort of rush into the quarterback position. I mean, you're looking at, you know, the, the Panthers at six. A lot of people thought that we might see a quarterback there. No, they went offensive line. You know, you look at, you know, Lions at 12, Lions at two, Washington certainly, of course, we have the Wentz trade. But these other teams that could have drafted quarterback, Tennessee, they, they, they didn't do it. And so – you know, with, with Pickett, he's probably – Pickett and Ritter are probably the two guys that I thought were the most NFL-ready. You know, when you're watching them, the way they handle things, the way they read things out, you know, the way they sort of ran their offenses and the offenses that they were asked to run, they those two felt to me like, yeah, these were the guys, if I needed somebody to play right away, I would trust it. Now, with Pickett, there's – how he handles pressure is going to be a huge thing for him. I think he needs to be behind a very good offensive line. I don't know if Pittsburgh has that. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. I tend to think they don't, and I see Nate shaking his head vigorously, and I tend to agree with him. Um, that's going to be an issue because similar to sort of the Mac Jones discussion, if he knows where pressure is coming from pre-snap, he's fine. If he's expecting, say, double A-gap blitz and those guys pop and you get a sim pressure look off the edge, he's done. Like he, he sort of panics in the face of pressure. So there's that. There's also the hand size thing. And – you know, it, it kind of matters a bit. It kind of matters a bit. And yes, he played outdoors in Pittsburgh. And yes, he sort of figured out, you know, the glove and things like that. And yes, like some of the fumbles were pre-glove and in weather. But it, there are also moments where you can see him lose the football in clean pockets. And it, I, I think he's going to have to show at the NFL level, you know, against NFL edge rushers, I'm not quoting that, Justin. Sorry, I can't do it. Um, that he's going to be able to hold on to the football. Maybe he shows it, and that's fine. But I, it's a wait and see thing there. So I was going to ask you, being a, being a former quarterback, if the hand size is actually a thing. But these you said it was are nine and a quarter, and 
they're small. And I've got an NFL ball. I can never do it. Right there. That's an NFL <laughs> right there, the Patriots. And there are times, like when I'm writing an article and I start talking about mechanics, you could, if I had a webcam up, you would see me like working through mechanical issues, working through drops here in the office. Like, and I'll have that ball in my hand. And sometimes I struggle to sort of grip it. Yeah, I know. I'm a freak. I get it. No, he's talking about no, Justin. He's talking about Justin. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I am disgusted too. I, you know, I understand that. Um, and I struggle with it. And this is nine and a quarter. Now, Pickett says look, the double jointed thing, and you know, maybe he's got a grip on it. And you know, full disclosure, Tony Rossiopi is private quarterback coach. I've known Tony for years. Tony and I talk all the time, and Tony has told me that look, no, he's he's fine. Like it's not gonna be an issue. And I trust Tony and I understand he's not lying to me when he believes that like, yeah, it's going to be fine. Um, I'm still going to sort of wait and see it on the field. It, he figured it out at the ACC on Saturdays. I just want to see it on Sundays. Oh, uh, right. he, he's got some weapons around him though. He's got, you know, so he's in, you know, regardless of the offensive line, they need to rebuild that, but he's in. And, and the next guy we're going to talk about Ritter. I, I like what they're doing there. You know, you got Pitts last year. You bring in Drake London. Those are two towers. Those dudes are big athletes who can go up and get the football. Yeah. So these first two quarterbacks, I think they're in decent situations, you know, given the circumstances. I do. I mean, I, I say this. I agree with that for a couple of reasons. One, George Pickens. I mean, I'm, I, I, I thought he Alpha. might sneak into the first round. I mean, just a big fan of him. Calvin Austin, like you said, like in Fryer move to tight end, like, you know, Pickett's going to have some weapons when he sees the field. And then, yeah, down in Atlanta, I mean, the Ritter fit made so much sense to me down in Atlanta because talking to him with the combine, he brought up two quarterbacks that he sort of modeled his game after and sort of saw in himself, Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill. And so look at it, right? The Falcons, they go get Marcus Mariota, sort of run their offense. And Arthur Smith offense, by the way, which turns Ryan Tannehill into the guy he is today. Like the fit is very nice there from, I think, a schematic standpoint. They're going to move him around a bit. You know, Ritter is a very athletic quarterback around the 4-5. You saw that athleticism on the field over at Cincinnati. And then, yeah, London, Pitts. I mean, they're basically two X receiver types, like two guys that, like, can beat press. You know, I'm I'm doing top tight ends over at USA Today from sort of a, a trade standpoint. And Pitts is just – He's, he's just a freak, man. Like, I remember all the pre-draft hype about him. Like, he's a unicorn. He's one of a kind. He's a top tight end of the draft. Might be the top receiver, at least the top five receiver in the draft. And he lived up to the hype. I mean, when you're seeing him beat Xavier Howard in one-on-one situations and man coverage situations with the game on the line, sorry to bring this all up, George. I know it's painful. I understand. Like I'm, I'm not even listening. <laughs> I mean, that's unicorn beast mode kind of stuff. And so... You know, whether it's Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas time that, that Ritter sees the field, yeah, he's going to have some weapons to throw to. With no offensive line. No yeah, well. but he's going to be running for his life, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah, That's Nate, what I'm nervous Nate's about. just sour. I Nate, love Nate, Desmond Nate's Ritter. bitter because he's got an offensive line, but they got no weapons. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They got 12, though. That's sometimes all That's you all need. That's all that matters. That, yeah. that is. That is. I'd rather have that than, than weapons. So I'll Yeah. Play. Yeah. I mean, 12 can make his own weapons. Maybe that's what that tattoo means. He's, you know, it's, I'll make my own weapon. So what, what do you think one of the top things that uh, Ritter's going to have to work on to be successful? You know, Ritter's kind of that guy that I think has to balance the conservative, take care of the football nature that he kind of sometimes plays with with appropriate aggression. Like I think there are times when he could be a little bit more aggressive with the football. And I think 
you know, it's curious. I think that they have Pitts and London, two guys with huge catch radiuses. Mm-hmm. Not that you like draft Drake London with an eye that in two rounds later you're going to go get Desmond Ritter, but you look at what Alec Pierce meant for Desmond Ritter, right? That huge catch radius. And I remember talking to to Pierce before the draft, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I want to be that quarterback's best friend." There were times when he needed to be. You know, there were times when Ritter didn't sort of have precision ball placement. And so having those two guys, London and Pitts, with those big catch radiuses will be huge for him because accuracy is another thing with him. And to his credit, you know, sophomore year, junior year, it was much more up and down, much more sporadic ball placement-wise. Last year he got better at it, you know, not the completion percentage, but like the ball placement, where he's put in the throws because, you know, there's a difference between precision placement and just like general accuracy, right? Like if you complete the throw but your your receiver gets caught immediately – like, because you didn't put the football to the right shoulder, to the right hip, away from the leverage of the defender. Like, that's your job. And if you're not doing that, you're not doing your job. You see him this year. It was really early in the games where he sort of struggled. And he seemed to sort of settle in and find a groove. That's a good sign because it's it's a sign that he get better at it. The question becomes, can he eliminate that early game stuff? And interestingly enough, and I want to talk with Nate Tice, who does great work at The Athletic, uh, former college quarterback as well. He was actually a good one. He backed up Russell Wilson. I was just a, a bad D3 kid. But Nate was telling me that, like, you know, quarterbacks, and this is true, we're nervous sometimes. Some of us get nervous to start games. He was saying, like, guys like Derek Carr, they're nervous. They have to, like, work some things out. Maybe that's the issue with Ritter. He has to eliminate that inaccuracy, that inconsistency with ball placement. And if he can get that sorted out to where, okay, it used to be the whole game, now it's just the first quarter, now he gets rid of it, that's going to be huge for him. Yeah, I, I I think by season's end, Ritter will definitely be the starter over Mariota in Atlanta. Yeah. And it just – like, they're not going to be doing it for playoff contention, but they need to do it just so they can see what they have in this game. So they know what they and, have. Yeah, they, yeah. They, they're going to have to give him reps. Just, they just yeah. got to. Yeah. Um, Mariota's going to get killed behind the line, so they're going to have well, to. Well, that's true. Him. I mean, Mariota well, so is Ritter. Ritter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Hopefully he's so, a little tougher. Now, a guy that probably won't get killed behind his line is Malik Willis over there in Tennessee. Um, Ryan Tannehill is a – I believe this is last year of his deal, or there's a team out, one or the other. I think it's the last year of his deal. Um, What what do you think the odds of Malik Willis being the long-term replacement in Tennessee? I mean, I think the odds are high. Like, Tannehill, he's under contract technically through 25 – um, but they've really got sort of a team out after this year. Yeah. And the yeah. last two years of those are void years. I mean, it, it's – I'm not a cap guy. Like, there are much people much, much, much smarter than me when it comes to the cap. But, like, this is basically, like, they've got the out after this year. And yeah. so I, I do think that, you know, the Willis pick was made with – like we talked about, like we talked about earlier, John was saying, like, he was the hot ticket guy, right? Like, he was the guy that everybody was talking about – you know, this time last year, like, yeah, man, Malik Willis at Liberty. Like, you're going to be watching some Liberty Flames games. Like, and yeah, he had some good moments. And he also had games where he threw like three picks against Middle Tennessee State on the same sort of, you know, fake bubble, throw the seam concept, like basic high school one on one football quarterback and stuff. And he's making repeated mistakes. The talent's certainly there, but he's going to need like a year or perhaps longer, some people have told me, to sort of figure it out. I think he'll get that year behind Tannehill. Um, you know, they're obviously – we know what that offense is going to be looking like. It's going to be play action and trying to get Traylon Burks open downfield and handing the ball off to Derrick Henry as much as you can and kind of getting out of his way. 
and they're going to sort of keep things warm for Malik Willis for probably next season. Um, so, yeah, he's probably not going to kill behind that offensive line this year. It's just what does it look like next year? Can he sort of fill in the gaps in the knowledge base and the, you know, the things that he needs to sort out from a developmental standpoint, reading NFL concepts, like working through reads, like it's really spotty with him and really consistent. He needs to be more consistent with that when he sees the field. So what, one of his biggest attributes is, is his mobility and the, his athletic system. Um, how does that get into a quarterback's head or rhythm if they if they were to pull Tannehill, let's say, for a package or two during game to to have Willis come in to run some packages? Like, does that affect the quarterback at all in their rhythm, or is that just overblown? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's overblown so much, but I do wonder what it does to a quarterback from a developmental standpoint in the sense that, you know, you see this with athletic quarterbacks. You know, Jalen Hurts is another example, even to an extent Lamar Jackson. Most of the time when these guys stepped on the field, Every other level of football, they were the most athletic on the field. Didn't matter, you know, where they were playing. You know, Kyler Murray could be playing against, you know, big, you know, Big 12, SEC competition. Didn't matter. He was still the most athletic guy on the field. You get to the NFL, that changes, even for a guy like Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, even for a guy like Malik Willis. And so if you cater to their athleticism and say, give him a package of plays and say, look, we're going to give you this sort of RPO type package, make some stuff happen with your legs. Maybe you make a throw or two, but you're such a good athlete. we got to get you on the field. What message does that tell them when they eventually take over? And so you can solve problems with your legs, which sometimes holds back the stuff that they need to get better at, which is fighting that urge to just bail from a pocket, fighting that urge on, say, third and seven when that first read, you don't like it, it's a muddy pitcher, and you say, I'll pull it down and run, and then you just get run out of bounds, maybe a yard downfield, and you've gained a yard, and the punt team is coming on the field. And, you know, that's something I know from experience. It's not that I was, like, this great athlete, but – in high school, I was fast. I ran track. Like, I could make things happen with my legs. I get to the Division three level, and I remember, like, the first game I started, I thought, all oh, third and seven, I got to pull it down. I'll run for the first down. And I'm running these little legs, these little baby hands are, like, carrying me to the sticks. And I think I dipped out right behind the first down marker. I just got back to the line of scrimmage, like, because the game's that much faster. And that's just high school to Division three. Now, making the leap to the NFL, even for guys like this, this that are this athletic, it's going to be tough for them. And so if you cater to that athleticism on the one hand and then say, look, when you're now the starting quarterback on third and seven, you got to stick and make a throw from the pocket. You've sent them mixed signals. And so, and so I kind of have this sort of, you know, iffy feeling about giving a guy a package of plays. Now you can still do it, but you need to sort of iron out that on third and seven, if you can make a stick throw from the pocket, great. Work through your reads. If after read two and three, that pitcher's still muddy, then yeah. Make something happen through your legs. But don't use that athleticism as a crutch because it's going to hold you back from where you need to be. Yeah, it's – I agree. With Justin Fields. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and look, Matt Nagy did that. I'm old enough to remember, you know, week yeah. one at the Rams, him coming in for that nice little package. And everybody's excited. I'm sitting there saying, I don't know about this because what's this going to tell him once he starts seeing reps from, you know, live game situation, 37, that pocket situation I just talked about. We got two more guys on the list, but we're also hitting a little over an hour. I don't know if we really need to take deep dives no. on Matt Corral no. somehow. <laughs> like, the, I don't think they have any type of starter potential. I think they'll be lucky two to be career backups. 
I'm interested. I mean, I, I don't want to discuss this now. I'd be interested to pick your brain maybe halfway through the season or towards the end of the year. So maybe we can get you back again. We could talk, Absolutely. you know, we'll talk Starfield. Maybe Skyrim's coming out with the multiplayer mode. Maybe oh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll link up. <laughs> uh, there we go. But, but, um, I like that swerve. I like the swerve. Uh, just, just, DM me, just DM me your name. We'll, we'll get linked up. Yeah, my, so, my bank account can't afford it, but I like uh, this one. Yeah. I appreciate that. I do. I do have interest in Carson Strong too. You know, yes. I, I think he he belongs. You know, I know he wasn't drafted till. Uh, did he go undrafted? I think it was. He went undrafted. Yeah. yeah. So I think he belongs in the same conversation as Corral and Howell. I look. I had him above Howell right there. The draft. Over there. I mean, Sorry. I, Not that one. In, in my rankings. Um, and I look. I loved talking to Strong. I mean. And maybe it almost clouded my view of him, but he stood at the podium and everyone's asking him questions about the knee. And he was like, look, my doctors told me not to play last year. And this is the line that hit me. He's like, my dad told me not to play, but these are my teammates. These were the guys that got me to where I am. Romeo dubs has me here today right now. And so I wasn't going to leave them in the lurch. And so we came up with a plan where I wouldn't practice. I was a statue. I'm working with Jordan Palmer and my right knee injury. My mechanics fell to pieces because of it. I was compensating for it. But here's the other thing, and you guys will appreciate this. They gave him full freedom with the line of scrimmage. Check into anything, check out of anything, any situation, didn't matter. If it's third and 35 late in the game, he could get into it out of something. If it's first and 10 first series of the game on your scripted 15, he could get into it out of He had free control of the line of scrimmage. He wasn't one of these guys looking for the big, you know, silly-looking card with a bunch of emojis on it. He had free reign at the line of scrimmage. That's going to be huge for him. And I've had people tell me the Eagles had the best UDFA class in recent history, and perhaps the, a better UDFA class than some draft classes for other teams. And Carson but then, Strong, but then the big why? Why, with that being said, and with this quarterback class being so below average, why didn't he get drafted? I, I think it's twofold. I do think that the knee scared some teams off. Number one. And then there was like smoke about like, you know, and, and this is why I brought up the, the free reign at the line of scrimmage, because there was some reporting out of the combine that teams that met with him felt he didn't have an understanding of protections, which I thought is absolutely absurd and insane because you don't give a quarterback free reign at the line of scrimmage in college. If he doesn't understand protections, number one, and number two, you could see it on film. You could see him pre-snap setting protections, adjusting things, picking up blitz cues in the, in the defensive front pre-snap. So I didn't have a concern with that at all. I thought it was maybe a smoke screen at the time, but as other people pointed out, are you really going to like try to warn teams off because you really want to draft Carson Strawn? But like, yeah, I, I was a huge fan of Strawn, and I, I think, does he take over for Hurts? I'm still a believer in Hurts. I'll, I'll say that. But does he win that backup job next year if Hertz doesn't take a if Hertz takes a step forward? Yeah, I think I think they signed him and they gave him a big bonus with the idea that this is going to be a medical redshirt for season for him. And then if Hertz doesn't pan forward, it doesn't pan out. They have draft capital if they want to draft somebody, and they also have a guy that some people thought was a first round talent who you've just now medically redshirted. Like I, I, I think. How he loves the QB factory, like that's what he does. He likes to accumulate quarterbacks, and I think it was a great move by them. And I think at some point he's an NFL starter. I didn't even think about Strong, so I'm glad uh, Coach added him here to the list. Yeah. Um. The the last thing I I, I had on the the sheet here was if you could rank between these two classes, one through ten, 
and you don't have to go deep dive into them and, and give any type of uh, breakdown on each one because I believe we just did that. So <laughs> uh, if, if you want to rank your top 10 uh, from these two classes, uh, what, how would you have them and what order would they go in? Man, that, that's going to be tough to figure out here. How about um, five? How about five? All right, fine. Go five. We'll go five. Yeah, I mean, huh. Okay, well, I, I still am a believer in Trevor Lawrence. Like, and I think he's going to take a huge step forward. So I, I will keep Lawrence at one. Two, God, I mean, I think based on what we saw last year, I'll put Mac at two just because I, I think he's in a very good situation. He showed last year like he can handle that offense. He can do a lot of things in it. Zach Wilson will be three for me. I mean, I, it, it, again, George, like you, it pains me. Um, but I think they put it a does. lot of talent around him. They did. And the talent that I think in year two, like I am expecting big things from him. I'll go Lance at four and five. As much as it pains me, I'm going to put Mills over Fields. Just yeah, because. So, so you, we, we, we have, we excluded Fields and we didn't even mention the 2022 class. Yeah. I mean, just because Fields is in such a, I'm yeah. just. So upset about that situation right now. I think talent-wise, look, it, it's Fields over Mills by a, by a country mile. I mean, he's so talented. But I just think not like Houston is this ideal setting for a quarterback, but he also has one huge thing going for him that Fields doesn't. And I know that, look, they've got a new coaching stage, and, and we're hopeful that Getsy can sort of figure things out. Pep Hamilton. I, I was – Banging the table last year for Pep Hamilton, you get if not a you know a head coaching job to at least be an OC somewhere. They kept him, you know, because of what he did with Davis Mills. And let's not forget, Justin Herbert is who he is, partly because of Justin Herbert, but also because Pep Hamilton was his quarterback coach. Like like Pep, I that you know proven record of quarterback development, Pep's got it. And I, I think having Pep in his corner is huge for Davis Mills. And so I just look at the two situations. I think Mills is in a better spot. Fields is more talented, but I think Mills is just in the better environment. Excellent. So we got we got this comment right here from Stephanie, and I'll I'll uh, I'll address this one real quick. Um, Thursday, shut up, Nate. I'll kick you from the room. Uh, Thursday, <laughs> I'm doing a AFC breakdown for the Miami Dolphins. So if you tune into our show on Thursday, um, I've got a couple of guests coming on. Uh, I've got Michael Livia from DolphinsTalk.com. I've got Troy King from Football Guys. Uh, they're coming in. We're going to do nothing but 30 minutes of, of Dolphins talk, and we'll address two at that time because uh, he's a third-year quarterback. That's why he didn't make the list. You go from so, tanking for Tua to tuning in for Tua. Tune in, tune, tune in for Tua. There you go. I love it. I love that. <laughs> slogans. Like you're the man. <laughs> slogans. I'm, I'm a slogan guy. All right. So that guy tune stinks. in. Tune in. That guy stinks. Well, so, that, guy, that guy stinks is our Friday night show. Every Friday night. <laughs> every Friday night, 9.30 p.m. This guy stinks. Hosted by Nate. Well, yeah. I was gonna say it's just a picture of me. That's all it is. Is the front no, 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 no. George, you're my guy. You're my guy, George. I wouldn't do George, that it changes. It depends on who Nate's ripping on in the chat that week. That's that's the that's the main discussion. All right, we're gonna wrap this thing up, man. We don't want to keep you too long. We're at about an hour and ten minutes. We do really appreciate you coming on, man. Again, uh, likely, very likely, if you are listening to us, if you are following us, you're already subscribed to Mark or tuned in, or, or, or actually, uh, you got him on the Twitter. It's at Mark Schofield, but Mark. Why don't you let everybody know what you've been working on lately and where they can find your content? Well, guys, thank you so much for having me on. Um, this was an absolute blast. Happy to come on anytime. Um, talk QBs or whatever. Um, 
main stuff right now is uh, USA Today. I touched on wire. Uh, myself, Doug Ferrara, doing our top. We tr- we try to say top eleven at each position, but sometimes it's hard. Like I got my top twelve centers. I think I'm gonna have like thirteen tight ends. Um, so we're ranking them by position, and I'm gonna do our top one on one at the end of the month. So you can check that out at uh, touchonwire.usatoday.com. Um, you mentioned the Twitter feed. Um, you can find a couple of podcasts in there as well. But I uh, appreciate you guys having me on. It, it was a ton of fun, um, and hope to do it again soon. Excellent. Hell yeah. And I do want to let everybody know, I don't want to push this too much. We do have a Patreon, patreon.com backslash toilets to titles. We have multiple tiers. You could check it out. Each tier comes with a bunch of perks, but uh, tier one gets you into the group chat. It's $3 a month. It's like the co- cost of a cup of coffee and it gets you chatting with us. And we, we try to keep our chats lively. And uh, especially right now with, with the Scott Fishball stuff going on and all that stuff, we, we get you going throughout the redraft season. So it'd be greatly appreciated if you check that out. George and Nate, you guys have anything to say before we pass this thing off? Thanks, Mark. And uh, Shane Howell and I are going live in like, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, talk uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. So Ooh. nice. And I'll, I'll be, I'll be live tomorrow, seven o'clock talking about, uh, talking about those New York jets. That's going to, that's going to kill me, <laughs> <laughs> but, but tune in, tune in to Nate's show after with Shane Howell tune in tomorrow. Uh, we're going to talk everything related to the jets. Uh, Thursday, everything related to the Dolphins. And then next week, I've got the Bills, and i got to nail down a date here with Mark, but it'll probably be hopefully within next week or so. Yeah, and then catch me, and, catch me and Mark. Catch me and Mark on the Twitch. Uh, yeah, running through Skyrim. We'll be streaming some Elden Rain or something, yeah. too. We'll get Khajiit, going. man. I'm a Khajiit archer. I'm sneaking in there. I'm stealing your stuff. That you, you, You'll see oh, a lot of that. Thieves Guild. I love the Thieves Guild. Of course yeah, that's it, man. That's what we're doing. All right. I will catch you all later on. Tune in next week. We appreciate you. Take care.